Welcome to Financial Gravity with John Pollock. For the next half hour, John lends his years of experience to guide you towards lower taxes, higher profit, and greater wealth. Now, your host, John Pollock. Hi, this is John Pollock. This is the Financial Gravity Podcast. And I've got Alex Vantarakis on the phone from the Vant Group. And I'm guessing that the name, the Vant Group, is because Vantarakis Group would have been too difficult for anyone to Google. But we'll let him tell you <laughs> if that's the case or not. Uh, Alex and I have known each other probably, I don't know, it's been three or four years at yep. least. Um, he's another EOer, so he's, we know him from EO, and we've talked a lot on the show about EO uh, with other EO members, so we won't spend time on that today. Um, but Alex, welcome to the show. Well, thanks a bunch, John. Appreciate being on it. So let's start with your elevator picks. You know, when you're in a you know elevator at a cocktail party and says someone what someone asks what you do or what the Vant Group is, what do you tell them? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the Vant Group is an investment banking firm started in 1999, and our our main purpose of being in business is to help business owners monetize their business through sale. Nice. So it's basically, an exit. You got it. We're exit strategy guys, and uh, in addition to providing um, the ability to sell somebody's company, our other four services are helping people buy companies to grow their business, to help them with funding, debt funding. If people need a business valuation, we can help with that. And then our fifth service is really exciting, which is um, more of con- consultative work on how to get your business to where you need it to be. Most times, business owners think their business is worth more than it is, and when we tell them what it's worth and, they, and it misses their target, we kind of can help guide them on how to get from point A to point B. So that, I would say that's a very valuable service because it, it's, I joke with a, when you're selling a house, you're selling a home, but someone else is buying a house. Correct. So there's a big, there's a big emotional gap there, and when you're selling a business, there's a similar problem. Is that you know my baby is not the person that's buying its baby. So and if you can help someone get the you know change the way they do business so that it's more sellable, then that would be. I mean, you, do you have any numbers as to how much you can increase the value? Uh, depending on the time frame, um, the 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 increase in value can be anywhere from ten percent to a hundred plus percent. That's excellent. So. That would that would be a what so so first off I guess so when someone's about ready to sell their business, how far in advance do you think that they probably should talk to you? <laughs> um, how far in advance they should and how far in advance they do, unfortunately, <laughs> right. are two different time periods. Yeah. In an ideal world, if somebody had two to three years leeway, that's the perfect amount of time to get your business ready because. Businesses are normally sold on a multiple of EBITDA, which is basically the earnings of a business. And the time period that buyers focus on is two to three years. So if you start two to three years in advance, you can do it exactly correct. But if you only had a year, it's still worthwhile because the last year is the year that they put most of the weight on. So one year was a Acceptable two to three. Most people have you know one to two months, unfortunately. Right. They're like, I want to sell it now, and yeah. and then it ends up being a fire sale, and they don't probably get the the dollars that they want for it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So how did you get into this business? I mean, what, what made you decide to get into the helping businesses get out of business, basically? Um, so back in 1998, I was working for the man in corporate America, and I wanted to do something for myself. So I went and I bought a business, um, and I realized that I bought it and I sold it, and I realized that I enjoyed the buying and selling process a lot more than actually owning the business. And then I decided that I was enamored with the, the process and decided to um, partner with an organization at first and put up my shingle in 1999. Interesting. So that's, it's, so that's very interesting. So but you, I mean, a lot of the entrepreneurs we talked to kind of saw something in the future and wanted to fix a problem, but you're more of a, I enjoyed a process so much, I wanted to do it over and over again. And that's, that's spot on. Interesting. That's very, that's, that's, you know, that's interesting. That doesn't surprise me, but it's very interesting. So tell me, give me an, give me an example of an experience where you thought, you know, uh, it was a good idea. I like the idea of, of transacting businesses, but Today you wake up and all of a sudden it's it's terrible. What kind of got you to a point where you were at a very a, a lull or a low where you thought I I got to get out of this? Out of the business itself? Yeah, out of out of either it was so you know heart wrenching you thought you weren't going to make it. Oh oh oh, just, oh I'm sorry. You mean at the bank group? Absolutely, absolutely. So you know what what we do for a living is dependent on businesses being bought and sold. So it's completely out of, if, if the, if the financial markets are set up in a, in a certain perfect storm, uh, we could literally be sitting here twiddling our thumbs all day. Um, and that's almost happened a few times. Um, back in nine, uh, 2009 and 10 with the, eight, nine and 10 with the economy where it was, a lot less deals were being done. And then also kind of back in, um, the, the 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 early 2000s it was very similar where you know it was it was tough to do deals and and we decided that that building our brand and reputation was worth kind of weathering the storm and that hopefully if we've done a good enough job building our relationships that it would carry us through and we've been very fortunate now two times on two down economies uh you know, I might have thought about getting out, but I decided to kind of persevere, and we've been fortunate because our best couple of years have been the last three years. So that's interesting. There's actually a good lesson here is that just because if, you, if you're if you in a business that's cyclical, especially economically, I mean, there's a lot of businesses that are cyclical based on weather, but you're, you are cyclical based on economy, and, and when you were in the down market, you didn't know – you know, especially in 2008, everyone was telling us that the world was coming to an end and there would never be a recovery. So, but you decided to just kind of hunker down and and shift your focus towards building your brand, right? Yeah. That's interesting. I I I think that's a good lesson for people that are listening. That you, you just never know if if the if the economy's bad, there is something you can do. First of all, you need to plan ahead. So, how did you weather from a cash flow standpoint? Um, well, being in a uh, a brokerage type business, your 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 costs are very very variable. So I've got a big team here. I've got uh, six bankers and and uh, an assistant, 
and an analyst and the, the bankers in my industry are paid on a commission basis. So we're very fortunate we make excellent fees when we close deals, but if we don't close a deal, we don't get paid. So it's a lot easier to weather a storm where, where labor, which is usually a company's biggest cost, is on a variable basis rather than a fixed basis. Um, and then number two, we decided to offer a lot more auxiliary services. So I, in my 30-second commercial, I said we're an investment banker and we help companies sell, and that is our primary purpose. But those other four services, business valuations that we sell is an income stream, for example, Debt that we raise is another income stream. Um, helping people buy businesses and consulting. Well, even in a down economy, you probably need at least three of those. You might not want to buy a business, but you definitely need evaluation, uh, consulting, and bank financing. So we were able to augment our income through those sources. So that that's another great lesson is, is if you need to have a diversified income stream and a diversified business model so that you can weather this stuff. And then it's interesting is I, 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 we talked a little bit earlier with a, a commercial uh, broker, yeah. commercial real estate. Um, in fact, I believe you know him. but um, And he kind of had the same type of thing where they, when the market was down, they kind of had to shift their business model a little bit until the market recovered. So that's, that is a good lesson for people that are listening uh, to be prepared so, so you you actually kind of explained both twice where you are now. So, right now, are you doing a lot more transactions than you were obviously in two thousand and eight? Absolutely. Um, the you know we've been very fortunate and blessed to build a good reputation, which has allowed us to work on some unique opportunities. So, in our business, you know, what does everybody look for in a business? Recurring revenue. Everybody, that's, that's the lifeblood of a business. If you have recurring revenue, you can weather any storm. Well, in a brokerage-type business, as we discussed, there is no recurring revenue. Yeah, it's transactional. Right. So you're constantly trying to, to you know, uh, slay the dragon and get a deal in. And then when you close one deal, the next day you're going out and you're looking for another deal. So um, we've been fortunate that we're signing up for project-based um, accounts, and I'll give you an example. A very large national 4,400 franchise uh, company we, is using our M&A services for all of their transactions, or not all of them, but all the ones that the buyer and seller agree to use us, but a, a very large portion of them, and there's about 50 a year. Well, that type of business is like creating a recurring revenue stream because I know that 50 of them sell every year. So we're trying to kind of break the mold of just going after, you know, some individual companies, but trying to work with companies that have multi-location or could have repeatable business. So that's one way we're buffering. The other way is um, we're offering a lot of what we call facilitation service, which is sometimes a seller, a business owner may have a buyer that's approached him to sell, and they don't know how to go through the process. Well, Everybody thinks you should just go hire an attorney and a CPA and, you know, they'll kind of help walk you through the process. But um, in my experience, paying on an hourly basis for a commissionable type project is very difficult. So we've kind of created a program where we're basically able to help them value their business, negotiate with the buyer, provide financing for the buyer, 
and wrap legal services in um, so that we're not always just looking for people that are for sale, but we're looking for people that already have a buyer or a seller and are really looking more for con consulting to try to get away from transactional work. Well, because that way, because, I mean, you're going to have a lot more experience than any, unless it's a, it's an attorney or a CPA that's done lots of transactions. So you're you're getting paid to kind of for your long-term expertise, basically, in your experience. That is ex that is exactly correct. You know, um, we're one of one of a few industries that cannot and will not bill by the hour because what we can provide in an hour's worth of consulting on a deal could save people hundreds of thousands of dollars or make them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, so it, it puts us in a very unique position where we can add a lot of value um, you know, for, for the fee that we earn, but the chances of success when you use an investment banker versus when you don't use an investment banker are infinitely higher. Isn't it interesting that everyone thinks they need a realtor to sell a house, which is really a simple transaction as it relates to, I mean, I've, I've bought and sold multiple houses. I don't feel like I need a realtor anymore. I think I've got it down. Um, but yet, when it comes to a business, they don't feel like they need someone. That's just it's strange to me. Well, what's interesting, and you're, you're spot on on your, your analysis, uh, the people that don't think they need one, regardless of using one or not, are going to have an extremely difficult time selling because they don't understand how intricate and how important the process is. So it's not only that, that they're probably going to fail because they're on their own, but on top of that, they have a certain mindset that's going to keep them from being successful. Yeah, I, I, to me, I can't imagine uh, uh, buying a business without someone that knows what they're doing. Um, Unless, like with us, we're 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 rolling up accounting firms, and we've done it before. So now we've kind of got our own processes. Um, so maybe in that situation, but I'm I'm guessing that most of the time people are going to only sell one business, right? Not like a house where you may sell more than one. Right, and you're exactly um, correct. When you're buying a business, if you've never bought one before, getting help on the front end is absolutely paramount. But if you're buying businesses to grow your exi an existing business, for example, where you already know the business very well and you've just done a transaction with an expert, you can do the next one on your own. To your point, it's the sellers that they're only going to sell their business once. Most likely, I mean, they're only going to sell one business, most likely. Right. And you can't make mis a mistake on the one time <laughs> that you have for sale. Yeah, and and it's the one time that might set you up for retirement. So it's really not a lot of margin for error. Exactly. So, yeah, so that's fascinating to me. It, it, I, I always like getting inside the psyche of, of how people make decisions. And it's a lot of people make some really strange, illogical decisions. I can't imagine selling a business without someone that could guide me. It's just... But I'm sure you run into it all the time, and people, I'll just do it myself. Yeah, it, that's it's kind of kind of nuts. And and realistic, I mean, what is it? What is a typical commission going to be on a business? I think it's a sliding scale, right? Depending on the size. That's exactly correct. So the the area that we play in in our that we work in in our business um, is kind of one to fifty million in sale price. 
And when you're in that 1 to 50 million, you're normally looking at what's called a double Lehman scale. A Lehman scale is very common on Wall Street. It's 5% for the first million, 4%, 3, for, 4% for the second, 3, 2, 1, and it goes down. Um, in the small, in smaller business arena, it's a double Lehman. So it's 10% for the first, uh, 8, 6, 4, 2. The reason why the percentages are so higher is, you know, their, the Wall Street's deals are, you know, 500 million. So 1% right. is a, is a big number as opposed to 10% on a million dollar deal, for example, is only 100,000. And then, right. so and then there's sense. usually what's called a packaging fee. Um, we put together very detailed books or investment memorandums on our companies. And, uh, we, most firms, uh, charge a packaging fee anywhere from $2,500 to 10000 depending on the size and complexity of the business. Interesting. So, so it's a sliding scale, but in, but you end up with like a blended rate. That's correct. That's exactly. Yeah. So let's say it sold for $3 million. It'll blend out to 8% because it'll be 10 on the first, 8 on the second, and 6 on the third. So it'll be 8. Yeah, and that, I mean, I guess that's reasonable because it, the complexity of a business sale. I mean, you're we're paying what six plus percent to sell a house, right? And you know they've got that's a machine. Uh, I I I believe technologically that houses the the realtors are going to be eliminated because technology is going to eliminate them. So if you're in the real estate business, um, you might want to look into business brokerage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I that's going to stay pretty complex for a, while, a long time. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, with technology that's coming out, and with you know, I'll give you an example. I just filled in a lease online, and uh, I won't say the name of the the company because they're not paying me for the advertising. Right, good. <laughs> but literally, it asked all the questions I would expect an attorney to ask me that you would fill in a lease. I click, I type them at the end, the questions, I hit the next button, and all of a sudden out popped the lease that had every, cons- you know, this is a simple lease. I mean, it, it was a, I wouldn't use this for, you know, a multi-million dollar lease, but for a, you know, thousand dollar a month lease, I own my own building, I'm trying to uh, rent out. Mm-hmm. That service substituted, you know, years of, of legal education. And I'm not, I'm not saying that the, 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 Lawyers aren't needed, but I'm saying there are certain things like leases. There are certain things like showing homes. There's a certain part of the home selling process that's important and that needs to be overlooked. And I think there's going to be some sort of system in place to make sure that everybody's keeping in line with what's supposed to be done. But I don't think it's going to be your traditional 6% commission commercial real estate agent. There might almost be more... It's on the web, and then it's some sort of consulting as well to make sure everything everybody's doing doing it correctly. Well, I was actually at a conference called the Abundance 360. So anybody wants to Google Abundance 360 uh, and and get on the newsletter list, it's a, it's a conference that basically looks at the the where technology is going. And they talked about this. In fact, I was sitting at a table with a guy that owns several title insurance companies in Southern California, and there was two presentations that were interesting. The first one was the guy that says that there's a technology where I can stand in the middle of a room with my cell phone, I can scan the whole room, upload it to a website, and then you can put on virtual reality glasses and then walk into that room in virtual reality. The biggest problem with needing a realtor is that you, need to, you want to walk into the home and see the space. 
But if you can see the space virtually, you don't need the realtor anymore. And then the second piece of technology was called blockchain, which allows for a perfect audit trail. Perfect audit trail. So if you have a perfect audit trail, why do you need a title company? And when the two presentations were over, I looked at the guy across the table and I said, so, what do you think? And he's like, my business is through. I said, yeah, that's what I was thinking, but I didn't want to say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) You've got about five to ten years, dude, and and it's it's over. You're going to have to shift. So it was funny because then we started to interact. They they give you a a few minutes after each session to do just that, interact and say, okay, if this is where the puck is going, how do I skate to where the puck is going and prepare my business for – you know, being eviscerated by technology. Kind of like you're saying that uh, attorneys are still needed, but they're no longer needed to draft a simple lease document. Correct. It, it, so the world's good. What's going to happen, a lot of people think that, that robots are going to take over the world, but they don't. They We evolve with them, so we're going to have to just get better. We're going to have to do more complex businesses because the simple stuff is going to be replaced with technology. I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. And, uh I'm lucky I'm 46 because by the time all that happens, I'm hoping to be retired because I'm not going to keep up. <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you have another problem, Alex, and that is is that uh, there's a one of the guys that spoke is a guy named Ray Kurzweil, and he has a book called The Singularity is Near, and they're saying that by the next 10 to 20 years, he believes that people will live to 150. So. I ha- you have a, you now have another problem. You're going to live too long. I don't want. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I tell people now, I'm, I turned 50 this year. I'm tired now. Yeah. I don't know if I want to live to 150. That's funny. <laughs> All right, so tell us a little bit. So I like to always talk about the, the superpower. Because every entrepreneur needs to, if they haven't spent the time reflecting on this, they really need to. Because everybody has an innate ability that makes them great. Uh, Dan Sullivan calls it the unique ability. I kind of call it the superpower. So what is your superpower? What makes you really better than you think anybody else? That's a great question. Uh, and I've actually thought about this quite a bit um, because um, I do a lot of, co- uh, I get a lot of coaching um, to always try to better myself. And we talk about this and without a doubt, my superpower is anticipation. Being mm-hmm. able to anticipate what's going to happen. And in my business, when you're working on deals and every deal has the opportunity to blow up 10 to 30 times a deal, depending on how complicated it is. The more we can anticipate what issues are going to arise, the quicker we can anticipate, the better chance we have at success. That's an interesting gift. So you're almost like a deal psychologist. <laughs> you, must have, you must have read my book. I wrote a book on business transfer um, on how to buy and sell businesses. And I say all the time that if I could have an alter, I have an MBA in finance, and if I could have an alternative degree, it would be psychology, because you've hit the nail on the head. Psych- psychology and the ability to understand the emotions of people involved in a transaction where you have a business owner who's worked this business probably for most of their life, and it's their baby on one side of the table. On the other side of the table, you have a buyer that really wants to buy an investment but doesn't right. know anything about that business, and the trust levels are very low. And both of those people are trying to work out a deal with not only financial implications but all of the psychological ones that go with it. 
Yeah, and that's and that's that's kind of the house home analogies. You've got the one person that's being very clinical and numbers driven, and you got the other ones that's very emotional. Um, yeah, but don't you know how good it is? Well, no, if I'm looking at right. numbers and the numbers aren't good. <laughs> no, 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 the numbers don't tell the real story. Well, they do because that's what we're buying. So, yeah, that's that's interesting because you're you're kind of having to be in the middle and kind of broke. That's where the broker gets paid is having to deal with this. And if you're able to kind of anticipate, oh, this guy's more emotional than I'm used to, so I better prepare, you know, both of them for the next step because otherwise it'll get bad. That's, fast. that's exactly correct. I mean, that's that you know, if, if you ask buyers and sellers and attorneys, they would say by far our most important factor is pricing a deal and negotiating and getting the best terms for the seller. That's what everybody would, you know, thinks it is. And it is. I mean, by far, if we can't do that, we haven't really done our job, even if we can anticipate everything. But having it be a given that we're good at what I just mentioned, getting the right deal and negotiating, since that's a mainstay of our strengths than what we really focus on, it gives us more time to focus on looking for issues that can happen rather than trying to figure out how to make the deal happen. Because the deal is, is probably the easiest part. It's the psychology that's the, the that's most exactly difficult. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once you get to the numbers, it, it's, but it, usually things don't break down based on numbers. It breaks down on personality or all kinds of wacky things. So. Yeah, absolutely. Personality is the big component. You know, numbers, you know, numbers, Two different pe- two people can look at the same set of numbers and come up with two different conclusions. So we also do have a lot of psychological uh, warfare that we have to do with uh, financials. But by and by far, it's more non-financial, deal-related, small items. I'll give you an example. Um, if you have a seller who doesn't have a good accounting system and who is a little bit aloof and you have a buyer who's very anal and wants reports the day that he asks for them, and he's asking for reports and the buy- seller isn't giving them to him, he's, depending on his personality, if he's very anal, he's going to start wondering, what is yeah. the seller hiding from me? Yeah, he's starting to jump to conclusions based on somebody else's act- action that, that may not have anything to do with what he th- he's thinking. Yeah. That's kind of like marriage. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, but this is this is a very quick transaction. Marriage is a long term transaction. It sure is. Um, so so that book that you mentioned, what is? Can people get it or oh, is something you give away for free? Yeah, we uh, one is called Exit and one is called Entrance. We're very very mar- we're creative marketing geniuses, as you can tell. Um, it's a uh, Exit is for sellers that want to sell their business, and buyers is for, uh, I'm sorry, entrance is for the buyers, and so it comes from two different perspectives. Um, you can go to Amazon, or you can go to our website, thebantgroup.com. Um, we, we wrote the books because we really want to educate people, and uh, by being able to educate people and educating the market, it makes everybody's deals much easier to do. Yeah, the education would, yeah, I could see how it would help, especially in the in a situation like this. And, and if you're going to sell a business or buy a business to read a book, just to get a little bit of, you know, prime the pump would be well advised. Exactly. So we'll we'll put your uh, link in our show notes so that people can link to your website and if they want to track down the book, they can. That'd be great. Um, 
So the next question I have is, what is your kind of kryptonite? So we know that you're really good at anticipating. So where where do you know you have to get supplemental help because otherwise it'll be bad? It's a great question. Um, our kryptonite by far is trying to help everybody out um, because we know that we're very good at what we do, yet we have a small box that we want to work within. And if people don't fit that box because they have an extenuating circumstances, we always try our best to, to, to squeeze a round hole into a square peg or vice versa, square peg into a round hole. Um, and, you know, being more selective on the, 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 the type of companies that we take on, I'll give you an example, and I can't say what type of industry it is, but there's, there's a company that wanted our help, and they're in a declining industry. Think of Buggy Whip in today's technology. Right, um, And we told them right up front, we said, listen, the only people that are going to buy this business, somebody in your industry that might be looking for the relationships and the clients and so on and so forth. And, and we were adamant that it's going to be very hard to sell this business on the open market because it doesn't make sense. It's, a, it, it, it's declining industry with declining sales. So they told us, no, you know, we don't want to market to our competitors, et cetera. And I, I said, I understood but that we'll probably be here six months from now with you wondering why we don't have any buyers. Well, fast forward six months, we showed it to a few buyers, and now we're marketing to the the competitors, um, which is exactly what we told them six months ago. So that's kind of an example where you know we we just we want to please our clients and we want to help them because we know that in that industry it's very difficult to sell. But if we're not, if we don't stand fast on what our we know should be done, um, it winds up kind of mudding the waters a little bit. So that's that's actually a really good lesson. In fact, uh, there's a guy named Michael Port who actually we're going to have on in a few weeks. He has he calls it the red velvet rope policy. So you know, like you go to a club at night and only certain people can they unhook the red velvet rope and let you pass. Yeah, it's the same type of thing as where you need to really know what your ideal client is and make sure you set the expectations. Otherwise. You end up doing a lot of work, or in this case, he lost six. You know, you lost six months. Wow. Yeah. So, and in your case, you, you had this particular client lost six months, or they could have probably sold six months ago if they would have listened to your advice at the beginning. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, but now they now they're on the right track, right? There you go. So I'd always like to end, and this is my favorite because I, I always get really good ideas from this. Is you know, what is your favorite either app or technology? or both, um, that you use that you just you can't live without and would love to share with us? Absolutely. Um, I'd say, I hate to say because it it's boring, but it's actually LinkedIn. Um, my business requires a lot of relationships, and my relationships are more than a Facebook friend. If you know what I mean, the analogy I'm making, I try to make real relationships. Yeah. And LinkedIn is a good way to kind of help me keep in touch with everybody, see what's going on, you know, because I, I legitimately am interested in uh, what um, what their business is about and what's happening to them personally. And LinkedIn is just a great tool to be able to follow all that. Yeah, and, and it's funny. I think LinkedIn has become the kind of the Rolodex. Yeah. At least that's what it is for me. Um, and it's a good Rolodex because it actually shows you 
you know, who in your Rolodex is linked to somebody else that may not be in your Rolodex. Exactly. Of course, I'm dating myself by using the word the Rolodex. The word Rolodex. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, but yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Half the people listening are like, what is a Rolodex? Hey, let, me tell you, um, let me tell you a funny story, and I know, we're, I know we're running out of time, but I just bought a... So in addition to having an investment banking firm, I have a, a private equity firm as well where we buy businesses and invest in businesses. We just bought a catering company uh, that's 32 years old, the company is. The prior owner owned it for 25 of those 32 years and had wow. the original Rolodex on his desk with, I don't know, a thousand staple business cards on it sitting there. So, wow. Rolodex I would is, save that. Exists. I would just, I would just save it just to show people. So oh. It's kind of like, I wish I would have saved the brick phone just to show my kids what a brick phone looked like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> this is what, a, this was LinkedIn. 30 years that's ago. right that's right <laughs> uh so okay so so that's good i mean linkedin is a it's a great tool and i think what happens is, is when a tool gets kind of dated i mean how old is linkedin really it's not that old but it's it's we we forget how good it is and we forget how important something is because it just becomes a ubiquitous part of our lives it's just i mean if i need someone's number I mean, it's LinkedIn. I go to LinkedIn. Exactly. Um, I, I am so I'm going to actually kind of vent a little bit, and you you could probably help me with this and back me up on this. Nothing's more annoying when you go to LinkedIn and they don't have their phone number on there, they don't have their email it's address the on email there. Email that kills me. I don't like the in-mail system or whatever. Oh, I don't either. Yeah. That's yeah, I, it just drives me nuts. It's like, why are you using on LinkedIn if you don't want? Are you hiding? <laughs> So when, the way I explained uh, to people is that Facebook is a wedding. I mean, you have to be invited, but you don't have to know everybody. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn is a chamber, and if you're at a chamber meeting, you're handing out cards with your name and your phone number on it, and then Twitter is a cocktail party. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, yeah, so, it, so for those of you that have LinkedIn pages, go to your contact information and make sure that people can reach you. If you, want, if you prefer to be reached by phone, then put your phone number on there. If you prefer to be reached by email, and you can put up a, a kind of a faux email to kind of screen people out first, but right. you know, make yourself accessible. It is, it is really annoying, um, and I've had, I've had cases where people have referred me to someone, and I've gone to their Facebook page, their LinkedIn page, their Twitter account, and I can't. I go to their website, can't find out what city or state they're in. I don't know why people are hiding. Yeah. If you're in business, act like it. So, well, that's all I have. I really appreciate you coming on today and and kind of sharing with people what you do, and uh, hopefully people got some ideas. And if they're either looking to buy or looking to sell, uh, at the very least, they learn that they need to get some help. Um, at the and at the very least, you know, read your books. Uh, but at at the the high end, you know, hire you, and you'd be more than willing to help them out. Absolutely. You know what? If anybody is interested about the topic, there's a lot of free content on our website. And um, also, if they're interested in getting an actual copy of the book, um, anybody that's listening to the to this right now, if you go to the the website, just find my email address. It's Alex at thevantgroup.com. I, is my email and the website is thevantgroup.com. V a n t. I'll send it. I'll send anybody a, a PDF version of our book. All right, excellent. So that's a, so. I'll put that on the the show notes as well, so that they have somewhere to go and and uh, take a look. Sounds great. Thanks for being on. Thanks for Appreciate the time. It. Take care, guys. Bye bye.